Amen. What a glorious gospel God has given us, His people, through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. I mean, did you catch here the message that the resurrected Christ gave to a very startled Mary Magdalene to carry back to His followers, the disciples, immediately after His resurrection, mind you, He said, go to My brothers. He called them brothers. Go to My brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to My Father and Your Father. To My God and Your God. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's saying, because of my death on the cross, because of my resurrection from the grave, my Father has now become yours. My God has become your God. Because of my cross and resurrection, you have been adopted into the very family of God Most High. You are my brothers, Jesus says. Which is the whole point. The point that God has been restoring, reuniting humankind to Himself through Jesus, His Son. Why did Jesus come? Why did He die? Why did Jesus rise? Well, Scripture bottom lines it for us quite clearly over and over and over again. Certainly in John's Gospel, which Benjamin just read from in chapter 20. As a matter of fact, just a few verses after where Benjamin left off, The Apostle John, writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, tells us the purpose statement of this glorious gospel. John writes in John 20, 30, and 31, and I think we've got it here for you to see on the screen to save you some flipping here uh, on Resurrection Sunday. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Which begs the question, of course, if this amazing message of Jesus' life and death and resurrection has been handed down to us so that we might believe and live, then how's all that work? I mean, how do you sees that life. How, how do you get access to this life that Jesus has come to bring us? Well, Jesus spells that out for us in what's perhaps the most common, certainly the most quoted verse in all of Holy Scripture, John 3.16. Many of you know this. Even if you didn't grow up in church or you're not a Christian, you've seen this on placards at football games, just flashing everywhere. Why is John 3.16 so common? Well, because it's the entire gospel message crunched down into a single statement. If you would, let's, let's read this truth, this profound truth from the lips of Jesus together this resurrection morning. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. What a glorious truth. This is Jesus speaking, I'll remind you, here in John 3. So, simply stated, this message is illuminating for us. This is 
how Jesus chooses to share his own gospel. Think about it. He's standing before Nicodemus, the the Pharisee, the teacher of the law, and he's sharing the good news, and this is how Jesus chooses to package his gospel. And yet, I think what we often forget is that immediately before Jesus gives us this glorious salvation statement here in John 3.16, he intentionally sets this truth up. He cues it up for us with verses 14 and 15, which is actually a powerful and unfortunately undertold story from the Old Testament. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say this. Jesus puts John 3, 14 and 15 before John 3, 16 on purpose. He does it to set up the truth that's given to us here in this glorious salvation statement. Friends, they're meant to go together. So today, on this Resurrection Sunday, I thought we'd simply just preach the Gospel like Jesus does. I thought we'd just repeat His words as we take a look together at why He came and what that means for us, that He should die and rise again. Let's consider together these verses as Jesus shares His Gospel, His good news of salvation in John 3, 14, 15, and 16. Let's let's take them as a whole. Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For, the word for connotes purpose. It means therefore. It means flowing from what's just come beforehand. For, based upon what I've just said now, God so loved the world. And He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, that last part sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Sounds just like Easter. But what about that snake on the pole part? I mean, what's up with that? I'd be willing to wager this morning. No one's getting a chocolate snake wrapped around the pole in their Easter basket. Am I right, kids? Got any of those? Matt, do they make those at Saris? I don't know. No? What in the world does this snake on the pole have to do with Easter? Jesus' answer? Everything. This is Jesus. Let's follow here. This is Jesus explaining how salvation works to Nicodemus. And He says, it's just like, just like what happened back in the Old Testament with that snake on the pole bit. You see, Jesus is connecting His death on the cross with the Old Testament account of Numbers chapter 21. And I just want to encourage you, you want a good gospel refresher this Resurrection Sunday, go home and read that story in full, Numbers 21. This is, Jesus is connecting this to what He's done, His work on the cross that we're here to celebrate this weekend. You see, the people of Israel had seriously rebelled against the holy and perfect God. So God, in righteous judgment, sent venomous snakes, fiery serpents throughout the camp. Not a good day for Israel, would you agree? This is bad news. People are being 
bitten by these snakes and infected with lethal poison. There's no way out of this. And then, in His mercy and grace, God does something totally counterintuitive. I mean, this is just completely contrary to all human logic or power. If God was to provide a solution for this deadly plague, how would you think He would do it? Well, would He send them out to the desert to like find some desert herbs and grind them? What would He do? I don't, I don't know. Here's what He does do. He tells Moses, get ready for this. He says, Moses, I want you to make a snake. A snake of bronze. And Moses, I want you to to wrap that snake around a pole. And I want you to lift that pole up. And anyone who looks at that snake on a pole will live. Anyone who doesn't, there's just one fate for that person. Certain death. Now, can you... Imagine trying to explain that to the people of God. Wait. You want, you want me to do what, Moses? Moses, God, this is serious. I've got venom in my veins. If you don't do something quick, I'm going to die. You want me to, you want me to look at your little snake on the pole and just looking at the snake is supposed to make it all better? Just just looking at the snake is supposed to fix my death problem. Yes. Friends, that was God's only method available for salvation. There was no other way. There was no human antidote available for the venom in their veins. They couldn't work for it. They couldn't try hard to find a solution. They just had to trust. They just had to believe in faith that God, the Maker of heaven and earth, that God, their, their Judge and their Redeemer and their Savior, could do precisely what He would say He would do. And by the miracle of them looking at that snake on the pole, can you imagine this? He would offer to them salvation now enter jesus 1400 years later jesus shows up on the scene and he says yeah you remember that snake in the desert that was about me friends this is how our faith works It's how our faith has always worked. There is no amount of human wisdom that can ever save you. There is nothing you can do to earn good standing before a holy and perfect God. You can't work hard enough to scrub the sin out of your soul. There's no amount of church attendance. You being here does not make you holy in God's eyes. You can't give enough money. You can't go through the waters of baptism and expect yourself to be miraculously changed. The only way to be made right, to be restored to a right relationship with a holy and perfect God is to do just what He said. To look at the One who has been lifted up on the pole. And to trust 
that God's method of salvation, His very Son, broken, blood poured out for you, is the only way to get rid of the venom in your veins. It's called sin. And the wages of sin, God tells us through the testimony of His perfect Word, is always, only, ever death. The solution, this Easter morning, the solution always before the foundation of the world for the redemption of every man, woman, and child who would ever walk the face of the earth and be saved is that they would look to the cross and see Jesus, the One who is lifted up, and say, He's my only hope. This is Easter. This is the power of the resurrection. The One God lifted up He has not just lifted up on a tree and left alone. But three days later, He rose Christ from the grave. And right now, as we have read, He is seated at the right hand of God's throne in power. I like how Scripture says it in Colossians 3. One of my favorite verses, I think, in all the New Testament. Colossians 3, 1-3. I think we've got it here for you. If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Do you see it? This is where He is. He's above. He's seated at the right hand of God. So you ask yourself, okay, if Jesus is there, what should we do about it? What should we do? How should we live knowing that Jesus has has died and He's risen and he's, he's, He's in heaven? All power and authority is His. What should we do about that? Keep reading. Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above. Not on things that are on earth. Why? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Friends, this is a right response for us on Easter morning. This is what we do as the people of God. As Benjamin was praying, we say, Lord, give us whole hearts. May we fix our eyes and our minds and our hearts heavenward on You, Christ. If you're here and you belong to Jesus today, I hope there's a, there's a, there's a joy just bubbling up in your soul is this is very good news the only one who could heal you of your sin and death the only one who could take care of your death problem the venom in your veins has been killed in your place has absorbed the wrath of god that was intended for you and he has risen in power and and we and we get to be with him remember brothers We call God now, because of His resurrection, Father. Now, if you're here today, and you're saying, inside, okay, all right. I I think I get what you're talking about, Zeb, but but how does this work? I mean, how do I know if my life is, as Colossians said, hidden with Christ in God? What's that look like? How do I know if I've been saved, if I've been set apart for eternity with Jesus? Jesus' answer is simple. His answer is believe. Believe. John 6, 28 and 29. This is an interesting 
passage where Jesus is being bombarded by questions and, and, and people. They're coming to him and they ask this pointed question. Let's take a look. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 28. The crowd say to Jesus, Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Translation, what's God want from us? Jesus answered them. This is the work of God. You ready? That you believe. That's it. That you believe in the one He has sent. Jesus said, here's the solution. You just, you just believe that the method of God's salvation that the snake lifted up on the pole is your only hope. That the man who has died on the tree for you and risen again is all you've got. Believe. And if you're here today and you want to talk more about what that looks like, that you would trust in, in the resurrected Jesus, in the living Lord, we would love nothing more this Beautiful Resurrection Sunday. Then to talk more with you about that. You can reach out, out to us in person. You can, you can call. You can email. Our number's in the bulletin. Myself or any of the pastors or elders here at Friendship Community Church would be delighted to help you talk and work through that question. Which brings us full circle, I think. Remember how the Apostle John told us his entire Gospel, everything hinges on this belief. These things, Scripture tells us, were written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you would have life in His name. Friend, do you believe? Is this more than just a, a prop? More than just an, an annual obligation to check your Easter attendance off the box? Is Jesus on the throne or isn't He? He is. He is. Look to the one on the tree and live. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Easter that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again, and that we might have life in his name forevermore. So, in conclusion, I think it would be fitting for us this morning, this resurrection morning, to respond to the good news of Jesus' salvation by singing an age-old question. This question, what can wash away my sin? And then in song, we'll echo back the answer. Nothing. Nothing can wash away your sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We sing, what can make me whole again? Answer, nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let me invite you to stand and sing this with your whole heart. Nothing but the blood. Hymn number 212.